Welcome to She Is Risen, the podcast, where the woman new or mature to her faith can come to learn, decompress, and heal the anxiety keeping her from living a deeper, connected, meaningful, and purpose-led life. I'm your host, Riley June, cognitive behavioral therapist and woman of God. Six years ago, I was riddled with anxiety, lost in New Age practices, and I've been blessed to be saved and go on to help thousands of others heal their anxiety and deepen their relationship with Christ. You are not alone. I am here to help. Tune in for the weekly therapy your soul has been praying for. Hello, beautiful soul. Wow, I am so fired up about today's episode because we are going to be talking about what a true ego death really is and why spiritualists don't know and understand this. This is one of those concepts that if you are someone who has come from new age to Christ or you've dabbled in personal development or self-healing of any sorts, you have likely heard the term of needing to come to a spiritual or come to an ego death or a spiritual death and needing to surrender your identity and surrender the ideas of who you were in order to become who you're meant to be, who you were designed to be, who you authentically are. This this concept drove me absolutely crazy the entire time that I spent my life and my work devoted in New Age practices, primarily because So I'm a very analytical person and when people say things, I want to understand what that is in its totality. And sometimes this can become very overwhelming because it requires me to take more time to process things or to do research on things or to just better understand things that in, um, I guess, in essence, it also isn't something that hinders me from taking action and moving forward. So though I may not fully understand and conceptualize something at one point in time, I will still make sure to do my due diligence along the way to continue to look deeper and deeper and deeper and longer and longer and longer into what it is that is being talked about, studied, recognized, acknowledged, so on and so forth. So I digress. This was one of those concepts that always really got me. This was like one of those things where it's like, okay, but what am I really doing then? In new age work and personal development work, it's all about the self. It's all about self-identification, self-understanding, self-exposure, self-visualization, dreaming, you know, what you can muster up or master up to create or experience or become or be something greater than where you are today. And the problem with this, this whole concept is that on one hand, it says that you have to create something that is greater than where you are right now. And so in that lies this idea then, subconsciously or inadvertently, that where you are isn't good enough. But yet, you must be grateful for where you are. You must have full appreciation for the journey that you have taken to here and the journey that is to come. That doesn't work. In There are many cases where two things can be true at once, but two things can't be true in the sense where you are surrendering yourself, going through an ego death, while also inadvertently trying to become something greater than where you are. It doesn't work. 
And that always really drove me crazy. And it was actually one of the tipping points that made me start to take the question of what is the root of this? So when we do trauma work, it's what is the root of that trauma? What is the root of that experience? Okay, you have this behavior, you have this pattern, you're lashing out at your kids and you don't know why. What is the root of it? Let's go deeper. Let's look further. So I started to, that was one of those those questions or those concepts, the ego death, that led me to start applying what is the root of spirituality overall. And that's what led me to God. And so first, let's back up a bit and let's put some context on what an ego death is and why why you do, in fact, need to go through one. Because this is a concept that is actually very relevant and is incredibly beneficial to every single person who pursues the idea of self-surrender, the idea of self-rejuvenication. Um, What's that word? Okay, I'm not even going to try and go back and re-say this, but you know what I'm saying. Re- the Rejuvenation. There we go. Self-rejuvenation. There's the word. Okay, yay. <laughs> um, there is such a deep, great benefit in this. However, through spirituality, through new age, through occultic practices, there is something that is always missing in this. And it is the fact that you're constantly trying to replace what you're letting go of with some other preconceived notion and idea of what you want to become. So let's first define ego. Ego means a person's sense of self or self-importance, responsible for personal identity. So we all have an ego. We all have an idea of who we are in terms of I am a mother and I am a business owner and I am a wife. And, you know, ego is identity. It is also Another another layer of ego is the awareness of yourself, a person's sense of self. So your sense of who you are. When you are wanting to evolve, this is where that idea of ego death comes in. You're wanting to evolve. So you're told you need to surrender the idea of who you are. You need to surrender your identity of yourself. If you're surrendering your identity of yourself, and by the way, that means all of it everything, right? Surrender isn't just, I'm only surrendering my finances. Okay, now you're only surrendering a part. I'm only surrendering this one problem. I'm giving this one problem up to God. I'm giving this one problem up to this goddess, card, deity, spirits, whatever, warlock thing, whoever, whatever. I'm giving this one part up to fill in the blank. Okay, you're only surrendering a part of yourself. If you want to surrender as a whole, you need to surrender your entire self. Spiritualists don't understand this. At one point, I didn't understand this. I assumed, I was taught, I thought that when you surrender, it's about giving up parts and pieces. I have this problem, I'm surrendering the outcome. I have this issue, I'm surrendering the course of action. I have this this circumstance, I'm surrendering, so on and so forth. I have this trauma, I'm surrendering the pain, right? You can't surrender parts of you if you want a full transformation. And in hindsight, I look back and I think, no wonder myself, many of my clients, And so many other people I was involved with in these communities struggled constantly. 
constantly feeling like, and you, you'll likely resonate with this, constantly feeling like that healing was great, but now you need another one. That reading was great, but now you're going to check in in a couple months. That method, modality, tool that you learned was extremely helpful, but now I need to know more. This thing that was, this, this event, this retreat, this meditation was great, but now it's not like there was something not fulfilling in it. And so it's, you're going only giving parts of you. And so I'm involved with so many people in this. I myself doing this. My clients are practicing in this. And it's no wonder that the full transformation, the full mind, heart, body, and soul transformation didn't come because everyone, myself included, was only giving up parts. That's a control mechanism. That's a scarcity mechanism. That's a safety mechanism. Spiritualists don't understand this because they don't, they haven't allowed themselves to surrender their full identity to something greater than themselves. They're only and you were only and I was only surrendering parts of my identity to myself right you can fill in the universe I'm surrendering myself to the universe I was surrendering myself to the universe you're only surrendering parts of you to also an inanimate object how is that inanimate object the universe supposed to fulfill you with something greater When it has a program purpose, it's not a creator, it's not a destroyer, it's not a designer. It is a a switch in a grand design of a greater mechanism. So it's not pulling the strings. The universe isn't pulling the strings. So going through an ego death is extremely valuable because it allows you to let go by definition if you're willing to let all of it go to surrender to something greater than you but it has to be greater than you because you as a person are always 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 there's no exception to this you are always limited to your own understanding at any given time based on the knowledge you have what you're exposed to whatever you are are not learning and like your immediate environment you're always limited to that in personal development you're told to get out of your comfort zones get out of your regular environments shake up your routines you know do something different learn something greater and that is incredibly valuable and important but you will always still be limited to the exposures of what you have and so when you want a full transformation you can get in part transformation you can get like small pieces of transformation you know if you want to evolve your financial experiences you hire somebody to help you with that or you go and you read more books on finances or you go and be a part of mentorships or programs or seminars that are all about finances or you plug into youtube videos or podcasts you're going to get a partial transformation if you want to be a more present patient mom maybe you consume more books on parenting or you listen to you know people who seemingly have it all together which by the way any mom out there right now listening who is wanting to be a more present patient mom with their kids and just you know have that sense of self again maybe you've lost it you're in the newborn stages you're in the zero to five year stages or maybe you're in your kids are growing up they're in their early teen years or late teen years and you feel like you've lost yourself you don't have a sense of identity right regardless of where you are 
no mother that you are listening to, no um, top-notch psychologist that you are listening to has it all figured out. They are just as much always limited to their own experiences and exposures just as you you are. Sure, they may know more in that area than you, but they only will experience a full self, personal self transformation when they can learn to, when you can learn to surrender the entirety of who you are to a understanding greater than your own. This is so far beyond logic. So if some of you are like, hey, where is she going with this? What is she talking about? I'm kind of feeling lost. Bear with me. I'm going to break this down very clearly for you, but I have to go a little bit higher level to dial it back and carry you through. A full surrender. You're not just surrendering parts of you. You're surrendering the pain that you have carried. You are surrendering the hate and the disdain and the anger that you have towards those who have hurt you. You are surrendering the shame and the guilt and the unworthiness and all the things that you never want to admit that you have done or you have thought about yourself or others. You want to surrender all of that. You want to surrender the bad habits to drinking wine to try and cope with a stressful day. You want to surrender the addiction to marijuana. You want to surrender whatever problems that you are instigating or not instigating but are a part of. You want to surrender the discomfort and the envy and the jealousy and the overwhelm that you have towards your spouse or somebody else in your life. You want to surrender the annoyance and frustration that you genuinely do have towards your kids but you pretend that you don't because you love them and they're your babies and how could you think that but yet it's there and you're annoyed by them and it's a constant battle you're having every day. You want to surrender all of this. You want to surrender to the idea, to the hope that there is a greater future for you, that there is a greater outcome for you, that there actually does exist a version of you who is financially stable and secure and even thriving. There's a version of you who is healthy and stays on track and has good routines and is confident. You want to surrender to the idea and the hope that you are a present patient mom and you do learn better communication skills that do transfer over to your kids because you sit on the floor with them when they're having breakdowns instead of pulling your hair out and yelling at them. You want to surrender not only the pain, but also the hope. You need to do it to something that is greater than you because if you do not, you are only always ever surrendering it to an understanding of your own limitation. And I don't know about you, but my God, he exists beyond all space and time. He has an understanding far greater than I could ever conceptualize. And I only ever want to plug into the highest, greatest, reverent point that exists in all of reality and non-reality. And when I was in the spiritual world, the new age world, it was like, okay, so if I'm going to go to the root of all things and it is God, why wouldn't I just always only go to the root, the source of all things? When I want something, need something, uh, require something, desire something, want change, want transformation, don't know what to do, am up late at night, am stuck in whatever, my own mood, my own shit, my own problems, you know, or or whatever, why wouldn't you only ever want to go to the top? Why would you ever, if you knew, number one, the greatest trophy, the greatest outcome, desire, experience, the greatest of everything 
existed. And there was a lineup of 15 different things. You had um, Goddess Kali. You had um, Isis. You had the Buddha. You had, like, I've literally been studying this. Now I can't name any of them. You got Buddha. You got any occultic gods, goddesses. You got Zeus. You got Poseidon. You got um, Aphrodite. You got all these people. Okay. And God. And they're all standing in this line. And you know that out of everyone in this lineup, God is the one who created all, who is the purity of good, who is righteous over evil, who is hope in despair, who is light in the dark. He is all of it. Everything. Why would you ever waste any of your time going to all these other things, even ancestors? You got your lineup of ancestors, your great, 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 greats. Why would you ever spend any of your spiritual bank account? Why would you ever swipe your spiritual card and take out some of your spiritual reserves, which is also a mind, body, and spirit thing? It's just as much physical as it is mental, as it is emotional, as it is spiritual. Why would you ever swipe your spiritual card on anything and use up any of your spiritual resources on anything other than the pinnacle of everything? And it was that question that then led me back to this idea of the ego death. Because when I turned to God, and it's so perfect because I got this question on one of my posts today, and it was um, essentially along the lines of, what was the turning point for you to flip from spirituality to this, just out of genuine curiosity? And this was it. It was the questioning of what is the root of all things? It's this concept of the ego death. And okay, in order to truly transform, we all want to transform. We all want to heal, right? If you're on a personal development journey, if you're on a healing journey, you've, you've gained a sense of self, self-awareness. You realize, okay, I do these things poorly. I really don't manage this very well. I overreact in this way. You know, this is my responses and they definitely could improve. Here are things that I do want to do. And in order to do that, I need to kind of clear out and clean up and heal and work on some of this stuff right you're on a journey of doing that and so the ego death comes into play and I recognize this and it's like okay so what is ego a person's sense of self or self-importance responsible for a personal identity okay so I want to surrender my identity and I'm gonna swipe my spiritual bank card on the only one that has created all things that matter, that is good, pure, and holy, okay, it is my responsibility now to surrender the idea of what I think I know about him, which, by the way, wasn't a whole lot. I knew some of the pinnacle stories, like the resurrection of Jesus, um, you know, the communion, the 12 disciples, some of the major places that he went and did things like Jesus feeds the 5,000 and the healings of the lepers and the blind and the dead child and things like that, right? And the woman who touches his clothes. Like I knew some of the pinnacle stories, but I, I knew of him. I knew of Jesus. I knew of God, but I didn't know them. And in order to transform myself and to surrender all of myself, I needed to go to the one who created it all, who knows it all, who knows the end and the beginning and everything in between and has a destiny and a purpose planned for everything that he has in fact created. It was then my responsibility to turn to the book that talks about him. And 
I grew up Catholic. I want to say that that really doesn't matter in the scheme of things because I had a really poor example of what following God is supposed to look like or mean. And what I came to realize is that in turning to God, it's not about following what everybody in the church is doing or following what all these other people say you should do. It's about building a personal relationship between you and God. You pray to speak to God. You read the Bible so God can speak to you. And when I started to read the Bible, I started to realize that all of the understanding and all of the ideas of who I thought he was, most of them weren't even true. Yes, he is an all-righteous, loving, holy God. But there are standards and procedures and steps and things of pure honesty, pure, harsh, hard honesty that he does say and he does expect and he's not wavering on. And in fact, he says what will happen in lieu of those things. And so it can be hard to digest the truth when we live in a reality that constantly talks about my truth, my authenticity, my belief, subjectivity, what I perceive is what will be. But the real truth and reality, if you're really looking to break free of your ego, you're really willing to break free of societal programming and indoctrination, you're really looking to let go and surrender your whole self to the purpose and the creation of you before you had a say and the world had a say, right? If you want to come back to that rawness and that realness of who God designed you to be, you have to get into his book. You have to get to know who he is and what he promises you. Because then all the things that people hate on Christianity for in terms of um, uh, monogamous relationships and marriages between a man and a woman, um, transgenderism, not being a thing that God actually accepts. Jesus didn't hang out with the prostitutes. He went to go and minister to them, to meet them where they are, but to help them see you are a sinner, but my God, our Father has created this greater place that you are welcome to come into if you're willing to let put down, or I'm sorry, take up your cross and follow me, right? So he's not saying you're the worst person in the entire world and God hates you. No, he's saying, hey, look it. We all make wrong decisions. It's a byproduct of being exposed to the world that is literally the devil's playground. It is um, the devil is a roaring lion looking for minds that are willing to not be and partake in all of the things that are God. And so he can take you captive. The devil can. And so it is a personal choice to build that foundation, to build that relationship, to surrender all of you, not just parts of you. Because when you surrender parts of you, well, you're just stuck on the same hamster wheel and, and yeah, on the same hamster wheel. Because what you do in one area of your life, you will do in all areas of your life. How you show up in one way is how you will show up in always. If you are always late for appointments, it is likely you were always late for a lot of other things you're just either unaware of or haven't connected the dots to or not willing to, or not willing to acknowledge. 
there there's an aspect of time that you don't feel safe with and so anything that involves time time management schedules routines you will break across the board so if you want to surrender your whole self for a full transformation you have to be willing to go through a true pure ego death and the only way you can do that is by turning to god um If you are to surrender who you think you are in order to become who you were designed to be, then merely creating a new idea of yourself is just as egoic. If you're going to surrender parts of you only to create a new identity of you, you create the identity, it's just as egoic. You're going to have to go through another ego death when that only plays out so far, when it, as it is always only limited to what you're surrounded by and your your exposures at any given time. And it's so incredible to know this. It's incredible to know this because it means that there truly is hope and even better that God does have a plan for you. But if you're trying to put one foot in the door and one foot out the door as a safety mechanism, like, yeah, I don't know if this is really going to work. Well, if I give up all of this, if I become that person who stands for the Bible. I've had this happen to me a few times. I have this one friend who I went through all these mediumship courses with. She's a lesbian or bisexual. She's a part of the um, LGBTQ community. And I'm not shy about saying that I disagree with this. I've always disagreed with it, not necessarily being gay in any sense, but the community and what it stands for and especially transgenderism because actually the more I learn about psychology the more I understand why people are choose to be gay and I know that in itself is controversial and this point in the podcast this might turn some ears off but I'm just like we're here we're following the bible you can take it for face value you can turn it off if you want it's totally up to you you can even leave me a bad review you can say whatever you want on social media Do what you will if you're here and you're listening and this is the part where you're like, I can't believe she's saying this. I would ask at the very least that you hear me out, okay? Just hear me out. Disagree all you want. You don't need my permission. Do what you will with that information. But here's here's the truth and the reality. When people choose to take up a partner of the same sex, it is because they lacked that character from that immediate parent. So for lesbians, oftentimes what they're seeking in a woman as a partner is a lack of, uh, is the nurturing and the care and the coddling that the mother was supposed to do when they were between zero and seven years old. And from the masculine, from the dominant side, their father likely lacked showing them the personal confidence, the the male bonding connection, the, I don't really know how to like put this into particular words like that. I know for um, boys growing up, having like rough play with their dad is so vital to development. It helps male children push the barriers of the ideas of getting hurt and what that can look like, but also start to understand safe play. And though that might not sound like, or that might sound like, well, okay, but how is that relevant to a male same-sex partnership? But 
it's the same thing that they lack in their partnership or that they will then seek in another man. So just as there's stereotypically a more dominant lesbian than there is and there's a softer one the same thing is going to exist within the male dynamic and depending upon who you are in that relationship in that dynamic it is going to be what you lacked in your early childhood development that you're then seeking in the partner you either lacked it from dad and so you will and by the way this also applies to heterosexual couples as well what you seek in a partner is also what you lacked growing up now, for um, same-sex partners, I'm like, okay, I kind of went off track from the ego death, but we're going to do a little piece of education here because I went down this rabbit hole. Um, from same-sex partners, they're going to have lacked the same thing. And I don't know, and psychology doesn't know, what the term factor is. Actually, psychology tends to stay as far away from this as possible. But in highlight portions of where some psychologists have been brave enough to pursue trying to understand this essentially what they seek is what they were missing so when it comes to the transgender stuff it is literally someone saying who god designed me to be is not good enough i know better imagine that an all right perfect god who creates everything for a very unique and specific purpose somehow gets you wrong the the person who wants to transition gender is wrong it's not possible it's like it's literally figuratively spiritually even subjectively not not possible however these communities and these ideas that are being pushed now on children today are saying that like you know better but you don't you can't it's like trying to walk into a building and saying hey I know how to build this, but you've never taken a course in architecture. It's like walking into a painting studio with um, modeling clay or walking into a modeling studio with modeling clay. And you're like, I know how to make this into a person. You can sure do the best that you can, but until you learn the technique and the skills and the knowledge and the wisdom and spend the time applying it, you'll never know. The God who created all things like my God, he knows it all, the end and the beginning. So to assume that one, you know better than him is a fault in of itself. And then two, to assume that what he's done is wrong is subjecting you to so much despair because now you're trapped in this paradigm where the only person who can fix, heal, and do better in your life is yourself. And the truth is that that's just not true. So I kind of got a little bit off track here. And anyways, I want to come back to this notion of, so I want to come back to this notion of just standing for the Bible. See, I don't say these things to offend people. And this episode was not meant to decompress the idea of why people choose to be with same-sex partners or why they choose to be transgender, though it does become relevant in context. Anyways, moving forward. So I have this friend and she comes to me and she often will say things like, um, I believe in a God of my own understanding. I love you and I'm proud of you and I'm proud of everything that you've done, Riley, but I disagree with you. Here's the thing. You're not disagreeing with me. When I choose to stand for the Bible, when you choose to stand for the Bible, 
People aren't disagreeing with you. And that's something that comes with the ego death. When you have people-pleasing tendencies and you subscribe to God's word, one that is very controversial to our world but is absolute truth, you can't take parts of the Bible just like you can't surrender parts of you and expect a full transformation. You can't take parts of the Bible and say, this is true, but this is wrong. God said this, but I don't believe in that. Then you don't believe. So your transformation is going to be half-baked if really even null and void. So she comes to me and she says, I, you know, we, I believe in this, but I don't believe in that. I believe in you, but I have my own understanding. And my response to her is always simply this. Listen, your quotes that you have aren't with me. It's not about whether you believe this or greater or that over what I believe this or greater or that. That's not the problem. The problem is, is that when you're held up to truth, when you're held up to someone who stands for biblical truth, you're not triggered. She's not triggered by me. They're not going to be triggered by you. They're triggered by the Bible. The craziest part is that what they're triggered by most is such a minute portion. Like there's two, literally, there's two lines in the whole Bible where God admonishes transgenderism. There is two lines, like two sentences in the entire Bible. I th- actually, I think it's three, where God speaks against um, same-sex relationships. That's it. So what, five, six lines in the entire Bible? It is such a minute portion of what he stands against. And the entire half of the the Bible, the entire New Testament, and even the entire Old Testament, is about his promises, his fruits, his abundance, his grace, his mercy, his will, his creation his glory it's about joy jesus is joy he sends jesus for us to pay the ultimate fine for the things that we aren't strong enough to overcome the temptations we're not willing to fall out over the temptations we trip and we slip on the entire the i want to say 80 percent of the book is about good news And so what people don't understand by skipping over, not getting into the word, even the ones who disagree the most with it, like my friend, she disagrees with it because it goes against her sin. It goes against what she's tempted with. And I also understand by knowing her and understanding her trauma and doing what I do and knowing how to apply it, that what she's seeking in a partner is the, is the nurturing and the love and the acceptance and the bond that she never got from her mom. And so if she only knew or was willing to get into the word, she would realize that it's not that God accepts her where she is, but he promises something so much greater if she's willing to surrender her entire idea of self to him and let him do the work on her. He will transform her. And this isn't a podcast where I'm like, I'm not ragging on her. I'm just giving this as an example. You will be confronted by people who don't like a few sentences in the entire book. But they also haven't taken the time to get into it. I have family members who literally make a point 
every time we're together, it's this subconscious, they're triggered by it. They're not triggered by me. And when I lived in the paradigm of pleasing people and making sure other people were comfortable to secure my own nervous system and to manage my own anxiety, I just had to to mold or chameleon to them so that I didn't say something to set them off so I didn't have to have certain conversations and so on and so forth. Now, when I'm around them, I don't have that need to do that anymore. I don't get this anxiety around people. I don't get this incessant people. I don't have people pleasing tendencies anymore. And it's not because I'm rude or bigoted or all these other things. It's simply just because I choose to develop my relationship with Jesus first amongst and before anything else. And I'm not perfect. I have so much work to do. Great work that I'm excited to do. Hard work that is going to be challenging to move through, but nonetheless willing. Um, I build my relationship in that. So my heart, my mind, my energy, my ways, my words, my communication, my drives, my motives, my disciplines are all transformed in him. I surrender all of me to him. So people aren't triggered by you, by the way, they're triggered by what you're mirroring to them. Same goes for people who are not of faith. When other people are triggered by you, if you don't believe in God and you don't believe in Jesus, but you made it this far, thank you so much for listening. Um, Thank you so much for being on this journey with me. Um, For those who are not in faith, when you are around people and they're triggered by you, they're not triggered by you. They're triggered by what you're mirroring back to them. Maybe it's an aspect of confidence or something that they wish, they aspire, they desire to have and you have it. Maybe it's the fact that you're willing to wear white shirts or the fact that you don't care if you spill coffee on it and you go out anyways or the fact that you wear sweatpants and a messy bun and you rock it or that you get ready and get dressed and you like do the damn thing and figure life out right like whatever it is whatever it is maybe you stand up to your husband when he makes ignorant comments maybe your husband stands up to you when you make ignorant comments and you have this back and forth conversation but it's not a fight and you just work it out and you make it work and somebody else is triggered by that there's a multitude like I go through a multitude of examples I digress when you surrender your whole self to him you become transformed. There's no more bit and piecing you off to try and figure it out. There's no more one foot in and one foot out the door. Be all in for Jesus. Let that true ego death exist. And let me tell you, the amount of times in the last three months alone where I have had so much uncertainty, I didn't know how I was going to get through things. Anxiety came up, overwhelm came up, Things happened, plans changed, unexpected stuff showed up that just was like, how did we get here? What is going on? Where is this coming from? Why is this happening? There has been so much of that. But you know what never left me? Peace and joy and my ability to catch myself when I'm overreacting, my ability to make different decisions when I have high anxiety, my ability to sit down and apologize to my kids if I yell at them for whatever reason, if it's just one of those days. Joy and peace never left me. And it's something that I only hope that you can finally experience by laying down all of you, 
all of who the world created you to be, all of who your parents programmed you to be, all of who the education system tried to mold you to be, all of these these paradigms existed to create you, but at the essence of you was a true, pure design and creation and plan and purpose. But in order to access that, you have to be willing to let go of everything you think you know about yourself, about life, about how everything works, and let him show you, even as a wife. I thought I knew what it meant to be a wife. And I don't know about you, but if you are a wife, you realize every year is very different, especially if you're in any form doing any type of personal development. Every single year is very different in every relationship. You are meant to grow and evolve together. So many people get so stuck in the muck of their relationships, either because they're not personally evolving or they're trapped in the past. And so in order to get out of all of that, you got to have something greater than you that you are turning to, submitting to, leaning on, a strength, a reverence, a courage that is being poured into you, that you are getting poured into through words that you can read, that you can meditate on, you can breathe in, you can pray up to. It's the most incredible experience comparative to none. And it's that, that is the true ego death. That is the thing that spiritualists don't understand, don't know about, and don't know how to teach you because they're constantly trapped in this hamster wheel, this self-savior complex of needing to be their next creation, needing to be their next best idea, needing to become this whole version of them. How many times do you hear or have you been swept up into marketing where people say, come learn from me to become your authentic self. Come learn from me to become a whole you, a newly restored you, the real you. The real you only exists in the understanding and the knowledge and submission of the one who created you. And that's amazing news. That's the best news that you could possibly come to know because then the answer is simple. The answer is simple. Here is how you do this. Here is how you fulfill this. Here is how you come to a true ego death, okay? It is through this. Okay, there's five steps and it's quite simple. Here's what scripture says about surrendering to God. Romans 12.1, therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. I even want to go so far as to offer you John 3.16-18. to For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. He created and designed 
everything perfectly for his kingdom, which means that he, as a byproduct, created you perfectly for his kingdom. However, you have, in a sense, illusionary free will. And I say illusionary because when you know that your eternal life rests on going to heaven or hell, which one are you going to want to spend it with? I like to use this analogy. And then we're going to get to the other four steps. So often it is argued, well, how do we know if there's a heaven and a hell? Okay, well, there's a handful of near-death experiences where people have come back from being tortured by Satan. There's a number of experiences where people have met Jesus or God and multitudes of different experiences. There's also a handful of people who went to this oneness and place of peace. It's kind of like in between, right? And so how do we know? Here's the thing. If we take faith, if we take spirituality, religion out of this, the answer is that you don't know. So are you willing to bet on a hope that there isn't a hell and that everyone goes to heaven in your eternal life or reincarnation really does exist when you don't know if you come back or not, right? I don't know if I've ever lived another life and I don't know if I ever will. So I will only choose to live this one life in hopes that the best option possible, which is heaven, I'm going to live this life in hopes of acting and believing and, and experiencing what is necessary to hopefully get me through those doors. Because in Matthew, it says narrow are the gates, right? And so that means not everybody just gets in. Jesus isn't going to say, pick up your cross and follow me. God's not going to say that only those who believe in my son are going to have eternal life. He's not going to say these things if everybody gets into heaven, right? So surrender to God. It is the most beautiful experience you will ever have. Number two is um, separate from the world, okay? This is such an important concept because in order to really truly experience life and a better life and a more fruitful life and have a higher perspective on life, you have to understand what is of the world and what is not of the world, right? When you're going through any sort of spiritual development, this is a little bit of a higher spiritual concept. When you're going through spiritual development, there's this idea of 5D, this this world, this energy, this source, this experience of only pure love and unity. Well, the only way to truly understand what that would be like is to have someone who has created something that is that. And you cannot solely create 5D. You, us, the universe, an inanimate object, us and the universe cannot create a fifth dimensional experience and only love and unity experience unless we're subscribing to a source of understanding greater than our own understanding right? If you want, you don't know what pure love really truly is because you have been tainted by the world and by hurt and by pain and by all of these things that are of the world. So if you want a higher view, a greater sense of love and understanding, you got to turn to the pinnacle of all of it, the one out of the lineup where you can swipe your spiritual bank card and get to the source. So scripture says, do not conform 
any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, God promises us that he will renew your mind. You don't got to do the work. Your work is in, I give myself to God and I give my mind to God and I give my ways to God and I surrender my all to God and I'm going to let him work on me so that as I take my steps forward, I can be renewed in him. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Romans 12.2 In order to step into the 5D, the fifth dimension, the pure love and unity of consciousness, you got to know who created that. Because if you create it, it's tainted, right? If the universe creates it, which is an inanimate object, so it actually logically and even metaphorically can't, we have to have some sort of like standard. What is this? What's, what's the method? What's, what is that, right? God literally says that when you separate from the world, when you allow him to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. This is so powerful. Number three, sober in personal self-assessment. Here it is. This is that ego death. For by grace given, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and though these members do not all have the same function, your heart, your lungs, your arms, your hands, so in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We all have a part to play in this. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. Which, by the way, if you're hooked on watching all these people prophesying in the Lord's name and the Holy Spirit's name, the only prophecy the Bible ever talks about us telling is of the second coming of Jesus and the kingdom of salvation. That's it. Everyone else is fortune telling, is... Um, uh, using divination, all things that God rebukes. So by the way, if you want a standard, it's going to be a whole other episode. Anyways, if it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Romans 12, 3 to 8. Be sober in personal self-assessment. And how can you do that? How can you have a pure, holy, sober judgment of yourself? Well, you got to put it up to God because here's the thing. I had a lot of personal self-assessment pieces of me. or A lot of pieces of me I wasn't willing to recognize. I wasn't wanting to put any time or attention or mind on. When I turned to God, binge eating self-punishment in forms of exercise or overeating or starving myself things I didn't I didn't think that was a problem being highly anxious didn't think that was a problem drinking tons of coffee and wondering why I'm anxious and lashing out I didn't think that was a problem I didn't want to address those things I didn't want to change those habits 
God showed me through an honest lens, a sober lens, that these are problems. But they're also problems that he's going to help fix in me. He's going to help heal in me that I don't have to get on the hamster wheel of learning more about eating disorders and learning more about self-punishment and learning more about self-sabotage and learning about all these. I didn't need to keep doing that anymore. I could lay all of me at his feet all the guilt that I had over it, all the shame that I had over it, all the avoidance I had over that, all the reasons, maybe even justifiable reasons of why I did that. I could lay it all at his feet and he was going to transform it in me if I'm willing to believe in all of him, the totality of him and live my life according to his word. That doesn't make it easy. It doesn't mean I'm perfect. It doesn't mean you're going to be perfect in it. It doesn't mean I'm not going to trip and fall. It doesn't mean I'm not going to falter on temptations. I do. I have. I will. But he knows that. And it has only improved. In the two and a half years of turning from turning myself to Christ to where I am today, it has only improved. Okay? And it only will continue to. And not even for me. That's the best thing. You go through an, a real, true, pure ego death. It's no longer about you anymore. You surrender all of your idea of self to him. And so everything I do is in furthering his will, which means that being a more present patient mom is furthering his will. Giving more generously is furthering his will. Doing this podcast is furthering his will. Talking on social media about trauma and healing and Jesus is furthering his will. Course correcting and self-correcting myself and being disciplined, it's furthering his will. All of these things that I do and these changes that I'm making, they're furthering his will. Pre-portioning my food because I know I don't like eating or cooking food, right? Making sure there's healthy options because otherwise I know that I default to making grilled cheese or not eating anything or drinking coffee. I know that having all these measures in place are all furthering his will. It's not even about me. And that's that's the greatest part. And The ego death is going to require you. Can you truly submit all of you and your needs and desires to someone else? To an authority greater than you. You do when you're driving your car and you go the speed limit. You're submitting to an authority greater than you, right? But we don't think of that because it's only a part. It's only a piece. But God calls all of you to the table. Can you do that? Will you do that? today give all of it he already knows all the things that you think that you've stuffed in the back of your subconscious closet or your past that nobody knows about yet the things you say the things you think the things you do the things you've done thought and and experienced that nobody that you think nobody knows about he god already knows about that he was literally walking with you through all of it and you know what the best part is he never judged you He never judged you a single moment in all of those experiences because he knows that one day you will stand before the throne and that will be your judgment day. That's it. That's going to be your day of judgment is the day that you die and cross from death, hopefully, into life. But that is going to require you to believe in him, all of him, and what he says through his word. It's a beautiful, beautiful balance. So, Be sober in your personal self-assessment. Can you really, truly get honest with yourself? Number four, serving in love. Love must be serene. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Hate the ways of the world. You probably already do. 
but cling to what is good. Cling to God's word because it will bring you peace of mind regardless of what the elites or the deep state or the governments or the WFO world, uh, whatever the world organization is, you will have peace regardless of what they are doing. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Be friendly with every person. My friend who's a lesbian that I talked about who constantly, constantly comes to me and wants this, has this combative energy about needing to either get my acceptance or, or tell me that what she believes is different than me. It's, it's not about me. I still love her. I love her regardless. I hold no ill will towards her in any of her personal choices or decisions or the way that she approaches me. Nothing. Not at all. Sometimes I'm slightly put off. Yeah. And in other cases, it's kind of annoying. But I also check, check myself in that. I'm, you're allowed. I'm allowed. We're all allowed to be frustrated, annoyed, angry, overwhelmed, sad, mad, all the things. You're allowed to be that. But check yourself in that because there, I'll sit in it for a minute. I'll be like, you know what? That's okay. At the very least, I hope that I was gracious enough to be a, a model of what is possible in Christ. That is always my hope. Again, doesn't mean I'm perfect. But anyways, moving forward. I'm going to finish this one. Honor one another above yourselves. Can you actually put others above yourself? We think as moms that we do this with our children, that we put them above ourselves because we need to feed them and do like clean their clothes and make their beds and brush their hair and all these things. But do you really put your children above you? Because when I sat with this one myself, I realized I, I didn't put my children above me. And actually even having children wasn't even about them. It was about me. And that was really interesting, a podcast episode that I'm going to do another time. If you want to hear more about that and the concept behind that, shoot me a message on Instagram. Let me know your thoughts. Um, but it's actually really interesting. And it's been one of a, the biggest parts of what motherhood has really helped me to unpack and unlock about myself and societal programmings and expectations. Now, I'm not saying that as women, we shouldn't desire to have kids or want to have kids or have kids. I think all, all women were literally designed to have children, even if it's bearing them through adoption or another form. I digress. Okay, so this passage, never be lacking in zeal, so never be jealous, but keep your spiritual, uh, keep your spiritual forever serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Okay. Uh, Romans 12, 9 to 13. Serving in love. Recognize if you are a people pleaser, if you are a people pleaser and you identify with that, understand that as a coping mechanism, as an anxious uh, strategy, you're going to judge people. I'm not saying I'm perfect in this by any means. But I used to judge people so harshly and so often, like years ago. And I don't do that even remotely as much. Again, I'm not perfect in this, but I no longer, it's, it's a way for you to, when you judge other people, it's a way for you to try and make yourself feel more superior than others to mitigate any personal threats whether this person dresses really nice or these people seem very friendly or this person's very bubbly or whatever the case may be. There will be aspects of you if you judge other people. You're doing that as a coping strategy because of it, 
as a coping anxiety because of inner child trauma that also is triggered with anxiety. So I, I want to say I don't, I can go as far as to say that I don't judge people anymore because I cannot remember the last time I judged someone. Now, again, I'm not going to say that's 100%, but comparative to what I used to do, which was judge people quite often, I don't do that anymore. And it is because I recognize that we're all going to stand before the same throne, whether somebody believes it or not, because I take God's word metaphorically and at face value. And he literally says that. And so I know that it's not my job to judge people. By the way, there's also a difference between judgment and and like conscious criticism. If some person is hitting someone and you say, hey, that person shouldn't be hitting that per like hitting someone, that's really terrible. That's not you judging them. That's rightfully criticizing, which is a big difference, by the way. If someone is drinking too much and you say, wow, that person really is drinking too much. Be mindful of your intentions for the things that you speak, right? Because you also speak spells over people. You also speak, um, I don't want to say curses. You speak life. There we go. You speak that life over people. So if you're judging someone for drinking, but you're not approaching them or offering help or like trying to find a way to, even if you need to figure out how to properly say it, to go out and help them, to serve them, to offer them better news or a better way, Right, if you're just simply sitting back and saying, wow, that person really drank a lot, right, that is judgment. Anyways, I digress. Last but not least, supernaturally, this is number five, supernaturally responding to evil with good. This is going to be one of the hardest things that you do because if you have any awareness about any of the things going on in the world from rabbit holes to any forms of the conspiracies, most of them in which have been proven to be true at this point from the last couple of years and really even beyond that. I digress. There's a lot of evil in this world. And the only way to combat evil is with pure, honest truth. And that's not easy in a world where we have a lot of people who are at a seven-year-old consciousness throwing tantrums running around in the street. I watched this interview of this person and it was um, a person of an LGBTQ community and it was just, I think it was just a conservative on the street asking about the president or something. And um, the, the person from the LGBTQ community who identified as this, I'm not assuming this was a part of the interview, they, when they couldn't answer a question like they couldn't explain why they thought something or why they said something, they would just resort to screaming. There are so many people, I even myself was one of these people up until about eight years ago, are walking around at a seven-year-old consciousness, like what a seven-year-old has for consciousness. A lot of us are walking around with that, regardless of the life experience that we've had, primarily because we haven't or they haven't become self-aware. They don't have a standard or an understanding or anything to look to that is greater than their own understanding. So they're trapped in this stronghold of not only not furthering their conscious development, which is different from an academic development, by the way, um, and their ability to articulate is very minimal. So they have no other option but to need to have an emotional outburst or release, right? I digress. Supernaturally responding to evil with good. Romans 12, 14 to 21 says this. 
Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, do, uh, but be willing to associate with people of low positions. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. No, we're not getting our licks in any, anymore, guys. Like if you see people jumping in on something on the internet, you don't need to get your licks in. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, which by the way, um, be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody, which means honest and true. Um, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. That doesn't mean let people take advantage of you. That does not mean let people walk all over you. That does not mean let abusers abuse you. But to recognize that there still are steps you need to take, but then walk away and be at peace with the experience you've gone through, even the hurt and even the pain. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. Everyone's going to hit a judgment day. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Um, okay, and then there's this little, like, subsection. I'm assuming it's just they skipped a line, which now I'm going to go back and read. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So, okay, yeah, that is relevant. So it's just like a context into what the paragraph we read before is really saying so in everything you do rejoice when you are persecuted recognize that it is one of the holiest things that you can experience to have any form of suffering any form of per persecution just like jesus did jesus stood pure holy and true un uh unsinful he never sinned because he followed God's word. For you to adopt that, to adapt to that, to be transformed in that, and then to be persecuted for it, it is truly an honor to experience that. When my friend, and she's not the only one, there's a few, come to me, when my family members come to me and they have their clothes with it and they need to say something to me with it, to know that I am being persecuted for believing in the whole totality of God's word. It is amazing. It is amazing to experience even a fraction of what Jesus went through when he did what he did for me, when he did what he did for you. To be able to endure even a minute fraction of that suffering. That's incredible. That's really, truly you having the opportunity to walk as Jesus walked to walk a moment in his shoes. And in the Bible, it says that you will be persecuted for your faith, but to rejoice because it really is a holy honor. And so, my friend, if you are someone who has stuck it out this far, thank you for being here with me today. I really hope you learned something, you gathered something, you gained something. Most importantly, you're looking to want to further your understanding and your relationship with God. In the, and in the word, it says the only way through him is through his son, son, through Jesus, to recognize what he did. It also says that the one who is appointed on the throne is Jesus. So Jesus is important in all this. 
And he flipped tables in the name of God. He didn't just walk around handing out hearts and flowers and smiles and say, peace be with you. No, he spoke truthfully and honestly and led frivolently in God's word. Confidently. You will build that confidence. You will build that patience. You will build that peace. You will build that joy that is unwavering when you go through the true ultimate ego death by submitting and handing over and surrendering all of you to the one who created you so that he can finally do his work. And you think of it like this. You have let the enemy work through you and work on you up until this point. Now it is time to see what God can do through you and what his plan for you done through you is. But the only way you can do that is by giving all of you up to him. See, the devil doesn't need you to believe in the devil. He just needs you to not believe wholly, wholeheartedly in God. Because then there's still room for him to do his work. The only name that can cast out demons is Jesus. So my friend, if you are struggling, if you have a weary heart, if you are overwhelmed with things in your day or your kids or yourself or your spouse or the world or your finances or grocery prices or gas prices or bills and payments and life and visions and goals and dreams in the future, bring it to him. Pray, pee, praise him for all that he has done, all that he is doing and all that he will do. Are repent, ask for the forgiveness for the guilt and the shame that you do in fact carry for the things, the, the skeletons that you carry in your closet you think nobody knows about but you carry so shamefully and so heavily. Repent, ask for forgiveness and give it up to him. A, ask. What are your asks? What are your desires? What are your needs? Bring it to his feet. And why ultimately always yield. Yield to him, to his plan, to his vision, to his goal, to his destiny, to his kingdom. And my friend, you will experience a peace far beyond your own understanding, far beyond anything that any modality or any tool or any God, goddess or anything in between outside of our one true righteous God could ever offer you no solace in a mother or a father or a child or anything. The true solace comes from him and he will provide abundantly and fruitfully, maybe not necessarily in the way that you want and expect but in a way greater than you could ever understand and perceive. I love you. I hope this was powerful for you today. I hope this really shaped what you needed to hear and helped you to deeper understand why you're stuck and why you're feeling overwhelmed in your life. Shoot me a message on Instagram. Let me know what your takeaway is. If you have a problem with this, a quote with this, uh, um, a conflict with this episode, shoot me a message. Let's talk about it. I am open ears for everyone. I am never here judging anyone, by the way, just to say it again, reinforce that. And you're safe. You're safe. Your traumas, your problems, your challenges, they are safe with me. If you are feeling like you need the space to decompress, to share, to get some, something off your chest, I am here. And if it's a personal thing, I don't share that stuff out on social media by the way i do practice client confidentiality even in my dms so i love you i hope you have a wonderful day and i will see you again next week 
I hope you enjoyed this episode and found the faith and encouragement you needed to rise up and conquer. I am on a mission to impact 500,000 women with this work, and I need your help to do it. If you could leave a five-star review and share this with a friend, I will be forever grateful. Remember, Jesus is the only name that can conquer all darkness, and it is up to you to choose him daily so that you can live a purpose-filled, Holy Spirit-led life too. Oh,